0: This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. He is the host of Simply Real Estate. He's also founder and president of The Simple Investor. He is Todd C. Slater. I'm Ian Grant. Good afternoon and welcome in, Todd C. Slater. How are you today? Good, Ian. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So, I guess it's it's interesting, you know. Here we are. It's the beginning of October. Mm -hmm. We're looking at fall. All sorts of things are starting to happen, you know. The world is changing and evolving. Got a question for you. Beginning of October, as you said, there's a lot of people who are now moving out of, ironically, at both ends of the... Of the spectrum, I guess. There's young people who are now moving into condominiums for college or work or whatever, and we have old people who've lived in a house all their lives and decided, you know what, too big for us, let's move to a condo. I'm reading and learning that it's, for some people, that is a really difficult transition to make.
1: You know, Ian, it's huge. And for those of you that have uh, have gone through it already, anything about downsizing, that's the hardest thing. You know, upsizing is easy because when people turn around and they buy, you know, they come from a condo going into a detached or a semi-detached or even a townhome for that matter, you know, you go from six to 700 square feet and all of a sudden you have, you know, small townhomes at 1,200 square feet or 1,500 square feet. It's like you have all this space and it's amazing. But the the problem. And I think, you know, you probably are aware of it because you, you, you have done a move recently and, and so have I. And one of the things that people recognize is that over a period of time, you, you know, we have a little bit of a pack rat problem. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, when you go to downsize, you truly have to make your life smaller and so you go through things and you start saying okay well, I'm going to have to start throwing that out and there's those things that you never want to give away because <laughs> you think maybe one day and you know of course if you move a lot they're, they, they're just in that box in the box, same moved. box forever same though box. Exactly. Yep, yeah. it happens all the time and so the hardest thing though is actually for people that are that have been in a family home for a lot of years and of course then they're going to go through you know it, it's fairly traumatic um, I you believe know, that. When, when, when your children grow up in the same home you know if you open Up the closet, you see the little measuring ticks, you know, Mm -hmm. at what age and how tall they are, you know, all the family memories. And when they start selling the family home, and this is why so many people, they probably hang on to the family home a little too long. You know, they put themselves in a tough situation because they can't manage it any longer. You know, the maintenance, you know, they keep going, no, 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 we don't want to go, we don't want to go. Yeah, the kids have moved out, you know, they have grandkids, they come back and visit. But Actual fact is that sometimes they, they they go a little too long, and it starts costing them more money in repairs. Now, of course, with the marketplace that we've had, you know, they haven't lost financially. You know, when we take a look at what's happened, obviously in the in the the better part of the Canadian market, mm-hmm. it's been it's been solid. So we can't we can't complain at all. Um, about, you know, people are losing money on properties if they've held on them too long. But a lot of times emotionally it's very difficult and they do put themselves through a a position where they they have to have people do more work for them than what they actually did themselves. I
0: mean, there's two situations that jump to mind. One is the unfortunate situation of kids uh, who find themselves having to clean out the parents' house after the parents are gone or you're trying to help your parents move and all of a sudden you know, I mean I hate to compare it to the TV show, but there are similarities where, you know, well that was the jacket that I wore in Niagara Falls in 1972 when it happens I met all the time. president, you yep. know. Oh yeah, and
1: and and that happens all the time and and you know, one of the things that, you know, we get faced with in real estate of course is estate sales. So this yeah. is when, you know, that that the the last parent, you know, passes away and then you've got to do something with the house. And you know, a lot of people when they start going through it, and if they've got a lot of siblings, and this makes it really tough, because then people have to start chopping up what each person gets. So it's like, well, you know, mom knew that was my favorite, yeah. and, and then they go through all that. And that, I gotta tell you, it can create a lot of issues
0: in a family when people start going through a home and trying to divvy things up. And yet you're seen as some kind of demon if you do it beforehand. You know, I mean, hey mom, why don't you just split the stuff up now and tell who's gonna get who, and we'll avoid all that hassle later. Well, you know, a
1: lot of that planning is so important and and, and a lot of times when people do have a lot of equity tied up in the home and they do pass on, then it goes into the estate, it has to be probated and now people inherit it. You know, a lot of times, and I know it's tough for people to understand this, but if you're in your, you know, your eighties and you're in good health, you know, sometimes it's better to yeah. sell, give your kids, yes. you know, I, I call them living wills where you actually want to give the kids, see their reaction with their inheritance, you know, keep enough for yourself to live, blow up, you know, whatever you want to blow. Yeah, absolutely. But when the kids get faced with it, you know, and we talk about things such as, um, you know, income tax, we talk about people with, uh, you know, massive amounts of RSPs, mm-hmm. you know, when, they, when, when, when you actually pass on and you've got to hand that to your kids, you know, and they inherit it, you know, there's mass taxes being paid. And there's got to be some better planning out there. And there is. And what you have to do is you have to analyze it. You know, go to to a good tax accountant, go to a good lawyer who's going to be able to set it up. And a lot of times you'll hear today, they're saying, Give it to the kids while you're yeah. alive because then it, you know you can do it as gifts and you're not getting taxed the same way.
0: We did a show – no, we didn't. I was listening to a show on the station earlier this week. Same thing where people they, – they don't understand that when they die – You know, all of a sudden, 55% of the money that they have worked really, really hard for is going to get shipped off to Ottawa. Yep. I mean, you know, even the charities are stepping forward saying, you know, at least consider us as before you just give. I mean, it's up to you. You want to send the money to Ottawa? Of course you can. But I don't think a lot of people consciously realize that's what's going to happen.
1: No. And when we talk about real estate, you know, um, when when you look at, especially principal residences, because folks, when you own a home for a long period of time, it can go up significantly in value. Mm -hmm. All of that is tax-free. There is no capital gains for you on your principal residence. You know, and we've got these people that, you know, will tell you, and and, and I've heard the stories, you know, they've owned the home for 30, 40 years. You know, a long time ago, they ended up buying the house for $30,000. Today, it's worth a million. Mm -hmm. And you look at that and say, well, congratulations. They say, yeah, but Todd, you know, we paid taxes and we took care of it. And I agree, you know, to maintain a home, it costs money. And everybody has to understand that. But ultimately, in the end, this was a nice growth over a period of time, and that million dollars, who do you want it to go to? Do you want it to go to yourself, your family, your kids, or do you want it down the road if it get, does flip into an inheritance estate situation? If you haven't planned for it correctly, then the government is going to get a big chunk of it, and this is the thing that you
0: ended up creating tax-free. There's so much in the world of real estate and investing, though, that is in that sensitive domain where... You know, you have to be really, really careful because you're either going to upset your brothers and sisters by bringing it up, or you're going to yep. upset your parents by bringing it up. I, I think what you really do is you upset more the parents than anything
1: else because, again, they feel that there's a there's a portion of their life that is now complete. So when you go to sell the fi- you know the family home, and and we go through a lot of this, and and a lot of advice that can be had is people have to realize that hey, listen, you know what? Yes, you have all the memories. You did this. It's amazing. But now there's a different stage in your life. And to truly enjoy that stage, Mm -hmm. it might be better to, you know, again, sell a family home, take the money, you know, spread out through the kids, keep some for yourself, and, you know, come down to that realizing downsizing. Now, I'm not saying that for everybody, because not everybody's willing to do that. And nor do you have to. But again, looking from a taxation standpoint, it may be something people need to consider sooner than later. We started
0: talking in this segment about people downsizing, basically. You know, and I'm I'm guessing that around now, if it did happen, around the September area. Now is where, you know, Pop realizes that he can't, you know, go and pick up the newspaper in his underwear or, you know, Junior realizes that they can't, you know, run 5-1 surround sound at 3 o'clock in the morning. There's a lot of adjustments that I don't think people are prepared for when they start to downsize.
1: Well, you know, there's a a lot of times when people buy condominiums, okay? There are rules and regulations in a condominium. And I think that before you go and you step into buying something like that, If you're going to be living in it yourself, you need to take a look at it. You know, there are some pet rules, for instance. Some condominiums Mm -hmm. don't allow pets at all. Some will put a size requirement. And... You can't turn around and say, well, wait a minute, you know, that's, that's not correct. I, I can have any animal I, I want. No, if it's actually in the condominium, condominium rules and bylaws, when they set up a condominium, yeah. they can actually dictate the size of an animal or the number of animals per residence. Okay, because what they're doing is they're taking a look and measuring the wear and tear on the property. Now, as much as, you know, there's so many people out there that are really good with their pets, but some are not. It just takes one. Yeah, and it, it takes, takes one, one, and then we start creating yeah. some problems, you know. And, and again, I don't have to give you one specific style of pet. There are some condominiums that will not allow any form of, you know, snakes or any reptiles mm-hmm. at all. Because the problem is, is that if they can get into any kind of the air duct system, then, you know, they're going to be going throughout. The I was
0: speaking with a realtor and he was mentioning in his office, it's at the point now with condos where they have special brokers or realtors who deal with, Specific condominium requirements. In other words, if you do have a dog, for example, they will match you up with a condo that uh, that suits your animal. It's it's really getting that specific.
1: Well, it is, and because there's a greater selection of units out there, people can turn around and say, "Look, you know what? I'd rather be around people that have pets, or I would rather be in a building that has no pets." You know, and again, it's just everybody's threshold. You know, you know, can you handle listening to a dog bark at six o'clock in the morning? Well, if mm. you don't have a dog, you've never experienced it you know that can be quite annoying so not everybody is willing to put up with other people's lifestyles right. and keeping in mind that when you're when you're in a development like a condominium okay and and if we talk more of the apartment style meaning the high rise you are going to be influenced by other people's lifestyles. Kids running upstairs. Well, look, you know, and a lot of times that even even people's different tastes in food. You know, when yes. people are cooking. Great point. You know, um, there are there are one floor you can have you know one flavor of the month. Correct. And yes. three floors up, you know, another flavor, yeah. and it just depends on the actual you know.
0: And the, depending the on that your palate, that can be either awesome. That can be a or a negative. I love Indian food. Yeah. Or just, uh, you know, people bring home dead fish and I just, I can't get off the elevator. Exactly. So, so So you have to understand,
1: and they have every right to cook and eat whatever they wish.
0: To a point, to their front
1: door. To the front door, but unfortunately, you know, not everything's airtight. So we have to look at people's lifestyles. And so when you are going through any process of buying a property, you need to do your due diligence. We talk about it all the time, but there's a lot
0: more to it than just you know, checking title, or even for that matter, a home inspection. Right. But that's a toughie, though, because I mean, you can do all the due diligence in the world. If you ask how many people are going to be cooking a specific, you know, meal or something like that, you can't, you, you don't know that until you, you move in. And all of a sudden, the guy next door to you has propped his front door open. Right. So and it smells like a fish market. Perfect. So here's what you do
1: you take a look at the property on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday yeah, evening, yeah. and you make sure that you see the property more than once. Because if you show up at 11 o'clock on a Monday morning, guess what? You're not going to
0: notice <laughs> that's it. true. We've got to take a break. What do you want to talk about when we come back?
1: When we come back, let's talk a little bit more about what's happening in the market. Mm. I also want to tell you about a little bit about the demographic changing up in Canada. Of course, some new numbers yes, that have come that's out. right. We this can week. chat about yep. that, and, and we've got more.
0: He is host of Simply Real Estate. He's also founder and president of The Simple Investor. You're listening to Todd C. Slater, and you can reach him at 905-812-2524, 905-812-2524, or his website, thesimpleinvestor.com. Now, back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon. Welcome back. I'm Ian Grant, and he is host of Simply Real Estate. He is also founder and president of The Simple Investor. He is Todd C. Slater. If you want to find out a little bit more about him, you can check out his website, thesimpleinvestor.com. We'll talk about this later, but he also welcomes your calls at 905-812-2524. But Todd, just before the break, we were talking about the demographic shift, and we uh, pretty much hit a record uh, in Canada last month.
1: Yeah, we did, Ian. And, and and before we touch on that, um, one thing. And sorry, I just I, I have to do this because you know we had a real touching story this week, and mm. I, I just wanted to say that you know everybody um, in my company was absolutely devastated with the announcement that those three children right. that passed away, the yes. Neville Lake family, yep. and their grandfather. And so you know I just like to extend our condolences. Um, you know I've got uh, I've got an incredible loving staff in in our company, and every single one of them were absolutely oh, just appalled crushing. and. Yeah. and and absolutely devastated. So, you know, our thoughts and prayers uh, obviously go out to the family because it's it's got to be a tough time. And you and I both have kids, and and you know, just the, the sheer thought of it just makes me shudder. So, wow. yeah, so pretty pretty brutal stuff. But you know, when when we talk about some some interesting demographics, um, you know, it's it's interesting because you know we've been we've been anticipating this for a long time, and we always talk about baby boomers. <clears throat> And this is why, you know, you and I in the previous segment, we're talking about people downsizing. Mm -hmm. But we now have more people over the age of 65 than we do under the age of
0: 15 in Canada. And it's funny, you know, we, we've talked about it for years. Yep. We've heard it and and it was one of those things that might, you know, it will happen. It, it will, will happen. happen. Yeah, it's just a matter of it time. It just happened. And it just did. And so now, the interesting thing is, and, and, you know, we
1: talk a lot about this, you know, pretty much in people's preparation to understanding, you know, real estate and, 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 and markets and that. But one of the things that we've noticed lately is the fact that, you know, we take a look at the world and, of course, it's aging based on baby boomers mm-hmm. and we're going to be getting to to the point where soon a third of the world's population will be over the age of 65 so there's all sorts of reasons that we always focus on this and and a lot of people are saying well hang on this is a real estate show well, when you talk about real estate, there's all sorts of aspects about real estate, and we have to look at it and say, okay, fine. So we've got we've got a certain value of real estate. You know, who's going to be the people buying from those people that eventually are going to be and selling? What real type estate.
0: of property will they be buying?
1: Exactly. So you know, we we keep hearing about marketplaces such as Toronto, and you know, it, Toronto has been on a nice steady run. You know, I'm not that guy screaming from the rafters saying buy real estate like crazy. Oh, it's okay. You got to do it. You got to do it. But I'm definitely not the guy that's saying the market's going to crash. What, again, you know, as everybody's been listening to this show, we know that we have two very, very different markets in the GTA. Mm-hmm. One I call the condominium market, and then one I call the detached market. And the detached market, of course, is the one that we've seen all the growth in. You know, the growth that we've seen is incredible. For those of you that own properties on, you know, some of the older, older homes in some of the nice neighborhoods, we have seen incredible, incredible activity over the last 10 years there. But then when we take a look at the condominiums, They are steady, they're Mm -hmm. consistent, but they're not having any more massive growth. We've seen a big run-up over the years on square footage price. And because a lot of times with the rents not going at the same rate, we're going to start seeing a plateau. Now I've always said, and, and most people know this, and I, I'm on record on saying it. I don't think we're going to see a major, major adjustment in the real estate market. Yeah, I don't either. You know, we've got a few people out there that are these. I call them the hedge fund guys, and they're out there saying, <laughs> "Oh yeah, we're going to watch you know Canada tank." Nice. Well, that's because you keep that's, that's because you're from the best U.S. Interest. No, but you, you're they're from the U.S. and they keep thinking with a U.S. mentality. Yeah. Okay, there are so many safeguards in place. You know, it was interesting because one of our listeners came in to see me uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we we're. Talking about uh, some properties, and he actually owns in uh, an investment property in the U.S., and and he ended up just buying one from us as well here in Canada. And his comment to me was that. He said, "Look, you know, I, I went to a couple of these seminars. I was taught all this stuff. I tried to do the practice in Ontario." This isn't He's, your
0: seminar. Let's clarify. Uh,
1: yeah, so he came he came to my seminar, okay, and then he turned around afterwards and I and I met with him in mm-hmm. the office. And he said, "Look, I've I've been to a, a multiple, uh, you know, seminars, and I actually went to one that was teaching me how to buy properties in Canada." But they were based out of, they were based on the U.S. Wow. The company. Wow! And he turned around and his comment to me was, he said, "I tried, I failed." He said, the, "What they're teaching me doesn't work here in Canada." And I looked at him and I said, "Well, give me an idea." So he tried to give me an idea that you know he he was saying you know oh well they're trying to tell them to buy sh- to to buy shortfalls, and so that means that you know the basically a bank can come in and turn around and say, listen, you know we have this much outstanding, just sell it at that price. Come on, well you can't
0: do that. In no, Canada. exactly.
1: But in the U.S. you can right. And here's here's the problem, is that they still, you know, people are still getting sucked into this, Ian, that, you know, when we take a look at it, people are trying to, you know, they're grasping at straws because, you know, real estate is an excellent investment when done properly. And both from yourself owning it for your own personal use mm-hmm. or for, for investment purposes. But ultimately, in the end, there are techniques out there that people, they just do don't work and when somebody comes in and starts trying to teach you something that says you can make a quick buck in the next two wow. to four weeks folks
0: there's no free lunch okay there never has never will be yeah. and that works both ways i mean you get up at three o'clock in the morning you see people trying to tell canadians how to buy u.s real estate nothing down and you're going to be a multi-millionaire in three weeks
1: well you know it's interesting because after after i chatted with him i said I, I asked him you know how are your properties doing and he mm. said well you know I'm hoping down the road they're going to go up. Right now they're, you know, I don't have any cash flow even though he paid cash for them. He right. has no cash flow because he keeps having to dump money into it. And one of the things that, you know, if if the if they're aware that it is a Canadian ownership that the the IRS actually in the US wants the tenants to withhold 30% of the rent now. Because of all the foreign ownership, so in other words, if you're supposed to be getting a thousand dollars a month, the IRS is saying if they recognize it as an investment property, that they want to, they want the tenant to hold back 30% of the rent to direct to them, because they want to make sure that they're, they're, they're getting their taxes. Their, sure, sure. So can you imagine that? Here you are, you are an investor, you own a property, you you might have to buy a brand new fridge because it breaks down, right. but meanwhile you got to pay the IRS first before you can buy the fridge. So you're hitting a negative Automatically in your
0: cash flow. So, th- again, there's certain rules that I think people have to understand. That a, you know, it's the first time I think we've ever talked about the fact that, you know, it's not just renting a property down there for a grand and getting $1,000 U.S. And no, of the not, at of the game. not at all. Not at
1: all. And, you know, there's so many more things that we can talk about when when we do talk about the, the U.S. markets. And, and I always tell people, listen, if you're going to buy for your family, go down and enjoy it. Go get yourself a nice place in Florida. Use it for your nice. family. Yeah. You know, but as far as an investment, it's very quiet.
0: He is host of Simply Real Estate. He is founder and president of The Simple Investor. Todd C. Slater is here on your radio, and you can reach him 905 812 2524. His website is TheSimpleInvestor.com. We're going to take a break for traffic, Todd, when we come back. When we c- come back, I want to talk a little bit about crowdfunding. Oh, dear. Okay. As Simply Real Estate <laughs> continues on in depth radio news talk 1010. Now, back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome back. I'm Ian Grant. You're listening to Simply Real Estate here at In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. He's host of Simply Real Estate. He is also founder and president of The Simple Investor. In studio is Todd C. Slater. And as we've said before, you want to find out more information, his website is thesimpleinvestor.com. And you can also give him a call at 905-812-2524. And uh, Todd, you wanted to talk about crowdfunding. Only crowdfunding is related. <laughs> (laughs) to real estate, which is... Kind of scary.
1: Look, you know, I I, I think there's a, a time and place for crowdfunding for sure. When when people are in a tough situation Correct. and yes. they go through, an we saw exactly yeah, this past of that week. Last yeah, week. it yeah, was completely great. horrific. And yep. you know what? I I commend everyone that would you know you don't know somebody but you see that what kind of times they've fallen on. And of course, supporting people like that, you know, I think it's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, in the old I, days
0: it used to be, how can I do something? Well, I, now
1: you know exactly. So I, I I think what is what has happened with some of the avenues is excellent, but. You know, it's interesting, and I love doing this show. And, you know, you and I have now been at it for years. Mm-hmm. And, folks, you know, first of all, thank you for tuning in. Because, you know what, having our listeners, and, and it's very clear that we've, you know, obviously touched a few people out there because we've got quite a few that have become investors with mm-hmm. us. And we have lots of people attending our seminars. And, you know, one of the things that I like to be able to do is actually have one of the most straightforward voices on real estate. And, you know, you don't have to agree with my opinion because it's simply, you know, my opinion. But after, after the last 25 years of real estate, one of the things I've recognized is that everybody tries to take real estate and, and put an angle on it. And, you know, one of the things that I'm not going to speak negatively about it, but I have to, you know, take a look at people that are looking at creating mortgage products, you know, crowdfunding, things that are that – are fi- people are using financing to be able to put some of these developments together. Hmm. I've had investors come to me and say that they got part of a crowdfunding program and they put up $50,000 five years ago. The, the, the development never got completed. The money disappeared and they had no recourse mm-hmm. because of the way they set it up. Now, there are some legitimate companies out there nowadays that are offering crowdfunding. And crowdfunding is more determined that a group of people will basically put money into, I call it a pot, but of course it's more of a trust which is then you know uh, established by a a hold company or a trust company and that money is being used to finance construction Okay. okay so we've seen a few of them out there we've had people that have had lots of success in it and then we've had people that have been burned
0: why is this different than an investment trust
1: well, you see, uh, when you take a look at like a, a real estate investment trust, for instance, they pretty much designate everything towards one property. So you know, and in 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 the case of most REITs, REITs already have the property; property. it yeah, exists. That's fair. Yeah. You can go up and you can touch it. Yeah, that's. But great. a lot of the a lot of these crowdfundings that they're out there doing, they're being they they are based on construction. Okay, so in other words here's our idea, mm-hmm. we need money to put together, we need to establish so much of I can of it. see both sides of it. I'm so, having
0: trouble. There's a part of it that makes sense. and There's a part of it where if it's and not done... And again, re- perfectly. But,
1: but there are, and, and I will tell you, and, and I'm not going to give you names of companies, but there are a few out there that are reputable. They do well. You know, we've been in, we've actually, we, we had somebody that inquired asking maybe if they could be on our show and hmm. talk, to, talk to us about it. But one of the biggest things that, that I find is that we have to talk about... First of all, the avenue that's being used. So, know, when you and I talk about real estate, you know, most of the times we are talking to the general public about residential Absolutely. real estate. Yeah. So we're talking about condominiums, which is what they call multi-residential. We talk about individual homes. So you're talking about detached homes. You're mm-hmm. talking about townhomes, semi-detached homes. All of them can have condominium titles. They can be individual titles. So we, we talk basic residential, but... Of course, there's the commercial aspect of things. And a lot of people, you know, they take a look at commercial real estate and they, because commercial portfolios are normally larger, so normally you're dealing with more square footages, maybe multiple tenants, sure. depending on how the structure is set up, you know, you're looking at, you know, normally a much bigger dollar. It's very hard to buy commercial real estate at $100,000, but yet you can buy an investment real estate for Correct. residential right. at $100,000. I would hope. So when we take a look at this stuff, there is there is a price differential in most cases. And a lot of this funding, a lot of this construction, people will turn around and they'll fund things such as the development of a brand new condominium. But before it's registered, it's deemed commercial. So in other words, you're building an apartment building until you actually can get it signed off to be a condominium. And now you have individual titles. I didn't know So one of the things that you have to understand is, so that first construction, that first structure, it's not like when you fund something like that. And I'm not talking about buying a a unit. I'm saying when you fund it, you're funding the group, Mm -hmm. the entire thing. So you're not funding one title, one individual unit. So when this happens, this is now, this is deemed a commercial title. Okay, so we've got a commercial title. And what that is, is that, you know, in most cases, people would call them an apartment. Now, you can't, until you complete it, you can't register the condominium, which means you can't register individual mortgages on it. So there's a lot of working pieces. So when people are looking at financing things, and because a lot of times people are asking for the exit. So if you're going to do crowdfunding or yeah. multiple funding of any form, let's say to a builder who says, Hey, listen, we're bu- we're building that 70-story condominium. It's going to be amazing. Well, before the money can come out... It has to be completed basically to ninety ninety five percent completion before you can register it as a condominium. Once it's registered as a condominium, now the banks will give the buyers individual financing. Right. Now they can close on the individual title. Now that's until in, unless you've got some form of schedule put out, you're going to have to wait. Until all the buyers of those individual condominiums come up with their money, their Jeez. mortgages, to get your money back of out. Course. Yeah. So it depends how it's structured. So then, of course, if you try to take out early, you won't benefit from the money that you've been promised. So there's a lot of these scenarios out there, and I, I just I want to caution people. Okay, understanding the commitment that you're making. When you commit to a title, when you buy something that's existing, when you take a look and you can touch it, it exists. You can put a mortgage on it today. That means you can sell it when you wish as well. Mm -hmm. And this is so important. You're now in control. When you give your money to a financing situation like this okay, where you're going to be, you know, it's speculation. You can't pull your money out right away without taking an absolute beating, okay? So, in other words, if you put $50,000, there will be, if you want it out in six months because your life has changed, you will not benefit from your money being invested. You may even get docked a certain percentage because they've already committed that money to the the bigger plan, okay? And this is where people have to be cautious. So, I'm just, the reason why I bring this up today is because when people talk to me and ask me, you know, can, can, can we talk about this topic, this topic, this topic, one of the topics we never really have, have delved into is the mass financing that a lot of people will hop into with builders when builders are out looking for financing. I wasn't
0: financing. even aware it was out there.
1: And it does exist, and it's a big number. And if, you, if you're backing the right companies, you're okay. But there's so many out there. I can't promise you that your end result is going to be exactly what you want Now, from a timing perspective, if you can just, if you can leave it and forget it, great. But if this is something that, if that's $50,000 means the world to you, and maybe two years from now, you're going to need that. Maybe your kids are going to university. Maybe you're going to have to turn around and and, and finance a wedding. Don't put it in because the chances of them being done on time, a lot of these projects get delayed, not by the fault of the person that's borrowing the money or the builder, but a lot of times from permits, weather. Everything that can happen strikes. People have to realize that if somebody says to you three to four years, look at four to five as a bare minimum. Okay, and if you get it back earlier, fabulous. But the truth is, do not assume that it will be done on time because your money's not coming
0: back to you at the same time. What do you think the logic would be for someone getting involved in something like that? Where, I mean, you, you said it, if, if I have, say, I had the 50 grand and I, it's mine to invest. Sure. W- again, if you take the emotion out of it, if you take the, is it that much more profitable? No, it's a, ra- than- it's a rate of return. It's a rate of
1: return. It, you know, people look at it as no fu- no must, no fuss. They look at a development and they say, look, I put $50,000 in. They're telling me I'm going to get an 8% return, you know, if, if it's over the next eight years. And then they're going to get a bonus on top of that. A lot of times the bonuses are not paid out. Some have hmm. been, but not always, because then they'll say it's it's based on completion. If we do it on time, a lot of ifs, 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 yes, ifs. Yeah. But if you look at 8% return, so a lot of people say, hey, listen, 8% return, that's not bad. You know, and, and But you have to remember if you have to yank it out early. So if you yeah. buy an investment property, sometimes you have to sell it early, you and, can still get out. And then the guys at Revenue Canada
0: show up at your door as well. Yeah. He is host of Simply Real Estate. He is founder and president of The Simple Investor, Todd C. Slater. You can reach him, by the way, 905-812-2524. His website is thesimpleinvestor.com. Take a break, and when we come back, uh, what do you want to wrap things up? With? Yeah,
1: well, we're going we're gonna to talk, obviously, a little bit about what we're doing near near the end of the hour. Good. But, uh, you know, I do want to talk a little bit more about the market, because it, it is very, very interesting.
0: I'm Ian Grant. This is Simply Real Estate on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And we are back. I'm Ian Grant, and he is host of Simply Real Estate... He is founder and president of the Simple Investor Todd it later you can reach him 905 812 2524 his website simpleinvestor.com Todd later at this segment where you're going to talk about the simple seminar um we have talked before about about how important it is to get the perfect tenant in 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 an investment property Yep. and just off the cuff some conversations that we've had Man, what do you do when the tenants aren't perfect? What happens then? Well, you know, Ian,
1: when you look at a, when you look at tenants, you you kind of have a mixed bag. Of course, I mean, it's the same as landlords. But when you look at a tenant, you can have good and bad tenants. And one of the things I've always said is the only way you have a bad tenant, typically, is if you have a bad landlord, unless you've inherited, inherited exactly. somebody else's yes. tenant. And that happens. If you buy an investment property, you inherit somebody else's tenant, then it, it's not your tenant. So now you've got to deal with them. You know, I and, and, and case in point, and I don't mind using it as an example, because as everyone knows, we do manage investment real estate, our own projects for our own investors, mm-hmm. and we deal with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tenants. and And in our scenario, you know, we, we've we bought another development and we've got a couple of tenants that, of course, I didn't bring them in. These people have been there for a while. And when we took over the project, um, you know, they had a lot of a lot of legitimate complaints. So as soon as, as the na- new landlord, we go in and we have a process in place and we say, listen, what you do is you contact our office, we turn around, get all your work orders, we take care of everything immediately and we get it cleaned up. Nice. So in the meantime, we are, and, and this happens to be one of our northern developments, and we decided that, listen, you know what, one of the things we recognize in this development that they had a lot of leaky basements. So, what we've done is we've taken it upon ourselves and we are going through and redoing the entire development oh, wow. 60 townhomes. Okay, so far, are this is getting, a good story. So, so far, yes. But then we, we turned around and we had one tenant turn around. They got upset with us because, of course, we had to bring in the back hose because we have to excavate on all the foundations yeah. all the way around in the entire development. And she got upset because now she can't go outside and leave her dogs outside. And now she has to walk them instead of taking them out. So, she decided she wanted to file a complaint. Okay, with the landlord tenant uh, board against us. And... It's interesting. because... It's it, 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 kind of
0: like calling the fire department, complaining that the fire trucks were blocking your driveway to get they you put, to work because, because they, were they were putting, putting out a fire. fire.
1: Yeah, and and so in this in this exact scenario, uh, you know, we 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 have had our meeting, and you know, basically the the judge has basically told us that um, that you know, you know keep doing what you're doing, and they dismiss any any wrongdoing on 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 our part, and they look at it and they say to the tenant. Um, we have your notes of complaints with the previous owner for five years that you've got a leaky basement. Yeah, These good. people are now actually fixing it. They just became the new owners. They've actually committed. And and, and this renovation is about a half a million dollars to do this. And they turn around and it's sort of like they, they shake their head and say, okay, what don't you understand? You've complained about something. They're doing something about it. Now you're complaining that they're doing something about it. So you will have tenants. And, and, and really the moral of the story is you can do everything you can possibly to be a good prudent landlord right. and that will still not be enough. Some people just have nothing better to do in their day than complain. Now of course we can we can flip it around and you can be an absolutely awesome tenant and have a bad landlord. So everybody has their scenario Fair. and you know I would have to say that you know 98% of our tenants are absolutely awesome, but there there does come a few that they test you. you How know? does it work
0: for you though? I mean, do you just let? For me, it would be you know, get the well, here. Well, you know, I mean legal, you can't legally, do that legally? legally I can't just sit right. there and say
1: you're complaining, so I kick you out. But what can happen though is in a scenario like this, we rectify everything we possibly can. Obviously, if there's if there's any issues, we take care of it. Mm-hmm. And if they still want to complain, you know, we 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 have to listen to them as a landlord. You must listen to them. You have to turn around and see is something legitimate. If it's not legitimate, Fair. then you leave it alone. And, of course, if they're not willing to be a prudent tenant, meaning they're paying on time, if they turn around and eventually don't pay on a regular basis, then we simply ask them to leave very politely by giving them the correct notices.
0: Okay, but are you allowed to say, look, obviously you're not happy here? Listen, we have tried everything we can do. Right. You're never going to be yeah. happy. Here. You know, as sooner or later, you have to ha- turn a deaf ear. Now, fortunately, I have incredible staff.
1: Um, you know, our entire property management system is absolutely just awesome. Thinking, yeah. and, 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 and my people have incredible thick skin. So, you know, when we talk about the simple investor, one of the things that, you know, we try to encourage people to understand about what we do is the fact that we are the landlord, even mm-hmm. though you own the property through us. So, when you buy a unit, um, you know, it's incredible because at the point that you have ownership, you, you have the ability of having your mortgage being paid every single month, regardless, and as and part of our guarantee. But more importantly is that you will never have to deal with this kind of situation. So. You know, our office takes care of absolutely everything. So our property management, our superintendents, all our property staff, they take care of all these issues. It
0: underlines the, the, how important it is to be professional. Though. It, I mean... it,
1: it does. And as a landlord, you know, you can get inundated with certain things, you know, depending on what you've purchased, what you've got to deal with, what kind of tenancy mm-hmm. you're dealing with. You can be inundated with questions and problems and issues. And sometimes people just don't let it go. And you can do everything you can in your power to appease people but
0: there are just people that, you know what, nothing can please them. Yeah, and it goes back to what we were talking about a couple of segments ago, where, hey, I bought an investment property, it's 1000 bucks a month, so I'm going to collect my $1,000 a month, and I'm going right. to live happily ever after.
1: Yeah, it doesn't work that way. No. There's more to it than that, and one of the things, you know, that when we do our Simple Seminar, which, uh, by the way, is coming up mm-hmm. this month, uh, you know, it is Wednesday, October the 28th, at 7pm, um, one of the things, you know, we try to encourage people is to have a better understanding about tenants. You know, one of the things about our program is that you know when, when people become a simple investor with us, they never have to deal with tenants. But one of the things that you should always do you know, have a good education on is understanding how to get good tenants. Hmm. And it doesn't matter if, if you come to our seminar and you want to go buy your own properties and manage yourself, you can. But one of the things I encourage people is to understand who makes a good tenant, how to make them to be a good tenant, okay? Not everybody understand what it is to get paid rent every single month. Well, one of the things that we do is we encourage people getting educated on how to understand and what forms to use to make sure you get paid properly. You know, that's the thing. If you're going to be a landlord, be a good landlord, okay <laughs> be an educated landlord because the truth is people will know more than you do you know oh, yeah, the biggest the greatest tool for a landlord and a tenant is google yeah. the question has been asked 1.75 million <laughs> times already how do i get my tenant to pay well that yeah. one's actually pro- coming close to a billion yeah, it times has to be. okay and that's how many hits that are on certain questions yeah, just people, don't take the advice as gospel yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. You have to you have to filter it yourself, you have to understand it yourself. If you're gonna do it, do it right. If you don't if you wanna own investment in real estate but you don't want to put in the time, right.
0: then we have a very good solution. And speaking of which, you said you have a seminar. It's coming up on Wednesday, October the twenty eighth. It's seven o'clock at the Mississauga Convention Center. We talked earlier in the show about other seminars that uh, people that you've been speaking with have attended where not only is the advice pretty hideous, but the entry fee is also pretty ridiculous.
1: Well, Well, it is, you know, and this is the thing, you know, I've always told people, leave your credit card at home, you have nothing to buy here, you never will. Okay, it's us just having a good conversation, you know, know, spreading a little bit of our knowledge around. But the one thing is, is that people a lot of times get attracted to the glitz and glam. And I've been, I've actually attended the majority of all the seminars out there. (laughs) And one of the things I recognized was is that the minute you walk in, the minute you sit down, their goal is to separate your credit card Absolutely. from your hand yeah, so it. that they can run it through. It gets pretty scary. And, you know, I, I think that there are some wonderful programs out there. I just haven't really seen them in real estate. You know, like, you know, for instance, I, I think Anthony Robbins is is a wonderful motivational speaker. He's one of the top in the world. Um, I think that there are some good financial uh, speakers out there. But what I what I struggle with is the whole get rich quick, um, you've got to have our course or else nobody, yeah. or else you're not going to do it. I think if you're going to spend $25,000, you may as well put that as a down payment and let somebody else do the managing for you. When somebody is accountable, and I think that all property management companies need to be more accountable as well. When When people hire third-party managers that are going to manage their individual investment properties, I think those people need to be more accountable.
0: We are. We make mm-hmm. ourselves totally accountable. Why can't they? So start at, at square one then. For somebody that doesn't know, talk about the Simple Investor process.
1: Okay. So you, if you've just tuned in for the first time ever, sim, I, I built the Simple Investor uh, uh, product after 25 years in the real estate industry mm-hmm. and construction industry, one of the things I recognized was the need for somebody to take onus, to manage, and commit to making sure that you get paid rent. When somebody owns an investment product of property in our actual developments, they will be guaranteed their rent. But more importantly, they're guaranteed more the tenancy, and the tenant actually is us, and it's us managing the right tenant when you look at the right tenant that means somebody that's going to pay somebody that's going to take care of the unit if they do not we still make sure that you get paid and we make sure no matter what that your unit's being taken care of right. now again this is this is you know something that people look at and say well how do you do it well it's easy. It's just numerics. When you take a look and you make sure that you've attracted the right tenant, we know how long they're going to stay. We know what kind of time, you know, what kind of effort we have to put into that tenancy. We turn around and make sure that our leases are ironclad. We make people responsible. Folks, you can make a tenant responsible for the condition of the property, but you have to tell the tenant that. Okay, you can't just sit there at the end and say, they moved out, they trashed my place. No. Tell you what. Structure your lease to make the tenant responsible. If they know that they're going to be responsible and they're being held accountable, guess what happens. They're going to take care of your property. And these are the kind of things that people need to focus on in some of the stuff we teach in the seminar. So instead of you having to focus on it, if you're going to do it individually, you can turn around and buy one of our properties. And we do that. We make the tenant Accountable to us, it's not that difficult. In fact, it's very simple. But
0: you have to put the process in place. If you don't have a process, do not become a landlord. And you're also accountable though for what happens within the tenant's property: a leak, a uh, stove course. not working, a automatically. Fridge.
1: And 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 so we should be because if somebody is held accountable, that means that it makes it more it makes it a simple for you. But financially, it is not stressful. Mm. The biggest thing that I found over the years looking at people that buy investment properties is they just naturally for, try to forget them. And then when they, they, they dread a phone call from a tenant, they, they hide. <laughs> they, they don't return the call right away. And these are the kind of things that Come to our Simple Seminar. Okay. You're going to learn a much better way of doing if it. If
0: somebody can't make it to the seminar, again, Wednesday, October 28th, 7 o'clock, Mississauga Convention Center. Yeah. You've said many times. Yeah, come see pick me. Pick up the phone we and pick call up, Pick yeah. up the
1: phone, call me, come see me. Look, we we have an open-door policy. We just want to make sure that people can take advantage of an incredible time right now to own investment real estate. This is it, folks. You've got absolutely the best demographics mm-hmm. coming down. You've got
0: the best interest right now. This is the time. To buy Investment Real Estate. Todd, see you later. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Ian. As I said, Todd also offering a free consultation if you can't wait for that seminar taking place at the Mississauga Convention Center Wednesday, October 28th at 7 o'clock. you want to sit down, talk to him about how the Simple Investor process can work for you, give him a call, 905-812-2524, 905-812-2524, or you can send him an email. You can find his contact information at thesimpleinvestor.com. I'm Ian Grant. Thank you for joining us here this afternoon on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010.